This is the Pivotal Running Podcast, and you're listening to Greg Derbyshire, Chris Grunhagen, and Marty Wimblum. And we are three jackrabbits from two different countries who continue to follow running in the upper Midwest. And we want to discuss important topics, inspiring stories, and extraordinary performances in running. All right, welcome everybody to the Pivotal Running Podcast. Today, Chris and I have the honor and privilege to interview two-time NCAA cross-country All-American, 2020 Olympic Marathon Trials Qualifier, and SDSU running legend, Trent Lusignan. We are super excited to have a talk with him today. Hey, Trent, what's going on? How are you? Not too bad yourself. Oh, superb, man. So what you been up to, man? Oh, man, I'm always working on something. It's... I don't know. Something's always broken in my house. Building a house, working full time, trying to wrench on snowmobiles. We're going on a snowmobile trip next Thursday for uh, four days. Oh, man, that sounds uh, great. Get everything ready so we don't have any issues. But uh, yeah, it's uh, staying plenty busy without the whole running stuff right now. Yeah, no, that sounds actually a lot of fun with uh, snowmobiles and yeah, when you can take those uh, trips on snowmobiles, man, it it's, makes it all worthwhile, you know? It, uh, it's a little different, you know. You miss out on a lot of stuff when you're racing uh, or running, racing all the time on the weekends and stuff like that. So it's something that I did a lot in high school. I ran – or I, I snowmobiled. I've been snowmobiling since I was three years old, you know. No way. Really? So it's, Yeah. You know – 25 years of riding them things so oh yeah you always, grew up it's on still it. fun that's awesome man three years right. old are yeah, you serious yeah, way before running so yeah always something i really like enjoy doing but then uh, you go to college we sold most of ours but then i bought two of my own last winter just to get back into it that's awesome that's yeah. cool so was it was it like uh if you started riding when you were three, I must have, I bet it felt really good to like get back on and, and just get out in uh, the open. I, it seems like you don't miss a thing. It's exactly how, when you remembered it or left it. Cause I didn't ride for probably, Oh, probably a solid, like five, six, seven years. Wow. Like picked up right where you left off. And it's like, dang, man, I missed out on some fun times on these suckers. But, uh, yeah, we're finally getting back into it. We got a big group going up to Grand Marais next Thursday to Monday. Okay. So wh- where exactly is Grand Marais? Where's that? It's like a, uh, North of Duluth, probably another four hours, three, four okay. hours. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, it's almost right on that Canadian border, right by Lake Superior there. Um, wow. So like deep snow then up there. Ish. It should be, but Minnesota has been pretty goofy this year with snow. Um, not getting as much as we expected. And yeah. yeah, now I don't, are you, you're in Western South Dakota, right? Right now. Yeah. I'm in Rapid City. So yeah, we just got uh, about three, three inches and it's been really dry here. So. Sure. Is it cold there right now? Yeah. It's uh, it was like high of eight degrees today and it was yeah. like, zero degrees when i woke up so i got yeah it's tomorrow is going to be a negative 15 um and during the day so it's going to be you know slightest wind you know it's going to be negative 30 40 wind chill out there but um, that's the coldest we've had in a long time otherwise it's been pretty mild winter but we just haven't had much for snow yeah Hey, I gotta, I gotta thank you so much, uh, for having you, uh, come on with us today. It's just really cool. You know, uh, certainly I've been a big fan ever since you dawned on the, uh, yellow and blue man. So right. having, uh, you be the first, uh, to come on this pivotal running podcast, man, it's a thrill. Oh, it's an honor to uh, be a part of it. So Trent, you know, we know you're from Shakopee, Minnesota, um, just up the road from, uh, where I grew up in Mankato. Um, but we'd like to get a good taste of kind of how you, how you got into running, what, what in Shakopee kind of sparked you and, and, uh, got your feet moving one foot in front of the other. Well, I think it started, uh, when I was like, must be 11 or 12. I think I 
my neighbor said he was running that local 5K. You know, every town has their days. Uh, ours is called, uh, what? Now I can't even remember what they're called. They used to be called the Crazy Days, but um, Derby Days, that's what it was. So we had the Derby Day 5K. And uh, the neighbor, who was a, two years older than me, said he was going to do it. And I asked uh, my mom, and I was like, well, can I do it? And she said, uh, you can only do it if you run. I don't know how much. She said, you had to run every day or every other day or whatever. So uh, I did that all summer long. You know, I had these white Adidas shoes. I can't, you know, 20, 15 years ago, you had that rubber face on them i changed out the laces because i snapped them but anyways uh ran every other day or just like not even two miles maybe a mile and a half and then uh ran derby days i think i ran 23 minutes on my first ever 5k when i was either 11 or 12 and then i took third place at uh 14 and under in that race and then uh yeah i guess the rest is history after that so as we, as we talk about, you know, your intro to running in Shakopee, can you touch a little bit on your progression at, at Shakopee High School? Um, you know, when you got involved with whether it was middle school or high school and then how things transpired from, from those first days of practice to, to moving past Shakopee. Um, yeah, I guess we just started right in seventh grade, worked all the way up through 12. I really didn't know much to expect, uh, I guess, cross country and then later on track and field. But uh, no one, I really didn't know anyone that did cross country. None of the guys I hung out with in high school ran cross country. So it was pretty new to me. So um, progression wise, you know, we just kind of ramped it up just like any other person would. I don't remember how much I was running. It wasn't a lot. And it was basically a supper fest every day. I don't know if it's the same for every middle schooler, but uh, it seemed like you're just going all out all the time. Maybe that's why I have a high pain tolerance. I don't know. But um, yeah, we just ramped it up. I probably didn't run more than 30, 40 miles in uh, senior year of high school. So geez, I probably wasn't running barely anything in seventh grade. It seemed like a lot of the time. Hey, Trent, I got a question for you about uh, being captain of your high school cross-country team. What do you remember best about being captain there at Shakopee? Our team was really young, which kind of, I guess, would upset me. There's only two seniors on my team when I was a senior and maybe one or two when I was a junior. So it was a super young team, so we kind of really didn't connect as well as we you know you like because it'd be me and another guy running together and then kind of everyone else but we had my mind seems to be slipping me over the years but uh we had a lot of good times we used to play a ton of hacky sack ball ball lots of times getting in trouble kids getting hit in the eye oh man but it is normal high school shenanigans you know i'd hate to say it but we we ran to people's houses a lot go hit up their snack shelf pantry over there. And then, uh, oh, man, I remember one time we were supposed to do a 35-minute run. I bet I didn't get two miles in on those 35 minutes. It's, you know, it was a different time back then. You didn't, uh, you just kind of went with the flow. We had a bunch of fun. But when it was down to serious racing, uh, nothing I like more with being competitive, but in practices, I was not the greatest at uh, taking practice seriously. So it was always a joke or having some fun, but uh, yeah, those were some interesting times back in those days. So I bet it was a bit of a transition for you to come to South Dakota State. Uh, can you talk about your freshman 2011 season at South Dakota State University and how did the transition go from high school running to, to college go for you? Um, I would say, well, I didn't work. I was a little nervous that summer leading into SCSU, so I didn't work full-time like I normally would um, in high school. So I used to frame houses in high school and do other odd jobs throughout the, the year. But I think I worked only part-time just so I could keep a serious 
training going on. And then when I came into school, I just hoped to be, um, I guess, needed uh, maybe on the travel roster or something. So that first 8K I ever did, I felt really comfortable. I remember that through, you know, 4K and then God kind of let us do whatever we want. And he, I don't remember exactly what I ran, 26, 20 maybe. And Rod took five or ten dollars of my meal money if I broke twenty. It wasn't even a wager; it was more like I'll give you the rest of your meal money if you break twenty six minutes. Yeah, I never got all my meal money. It's uh, yeah, I remember that day. That was at Ron Finn up in uh, North Dakota. But uh, yeah, and then moving on from there, it was like it was Vollmer up front, and then Benny and I constantly trading off that second, third place and then uh looking towards that conference championship i just wanted to be freshman of the year and we got that it was great um down that was in i think that was all roberts in oklahoma um where did i take maybe 11th place something like slips off the top of my head but yeah it was 11th place uh southern utah had that great team they still but that would have been great to have them stay in our conference. Um, have something to look at, but uh, yeah. And then on the track, my indoors, I've never been. I've that's one thing I've regretted. I've never had the greatest track. I don't know. I never could piece it together. But uh, indoor season was going pretty well. Then I got bronchitis and indoor that takes off. You know, a little bit of outdoor, and you don't get that many chances on outdoor. So at the end, you know, we did pretty well. Uh, 10k outdoor what was like fourth and then the 5k I was fifth but uh I mean that was a great start looking into my sophomore season so Trent as you kind of start to you know recap your your 2011 your freshman season and you mentioned kind of rolling into 2012 um in 2011 you were 67th uh at the Midwest Regional and then just two years later um finishing second place at the same regional meet to qualify for the national meet. Can you talk a little bit about that, that um, big improvement between um, 2011 and 2013? Um, I would just say it's cumulative mileage, you know, building up years and years. Um, I guess I never touched on that, but back in the day in high school, you know, I maybe have ran 30, 40 miles a week. I really didn't run in the wintertime. I did really didn't run in the summertime. So I just ran in the season. I guess I could get fit quickly enough to race fairly competitive. But my freshman year, that was like the first time I've ever did a full year's worth of training. Same thing with sophomore year. So it's just adding on mileage and workouts year round. And uh, it was finally just coming together where we knew we were going to be success, successful, but uh, we also had a question in our mind that we should redshirt that season for, I think, the regional um, location for track or something like that. I can't remember exactly, but there was a thought we might have redshirted that 2013 season. But yeah, just over the years, you know, you're building up went from 70 miles a week as a freshman in college to 100, 105 um, in that 2013 season. Would you, um, I mean, looking back, would you contribute that big improvement to that, to that high mileage? I mean, 105, that's a, you know, I mean, when you look at distance programs all over, I mean, there's a big change in, um, you know, if you get away with, 70, 80 miles a week, or if you need to hit that 100, 110, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty hefty week when you think about it. What kind of consistency were you, were you over that 100 on a um, weekly so basis? It would be uh, on my off race weeks, it'll be 100, 105, and then my race weeks, I'd be about 80. So, uh, but I'd try to front load those race weeks. So maybe in that seven-day window from a Wednesday to a Wednesday, I'd probably be 110 because I'd front-load those race weeks so I'd only run 
five, seven miles two days before a race and five miles the day before a race. So it's really, you know, you put on and then you probably get 10 miles out of a race day. Okay. You really put on both of those miles on Monday through Thursday. But I'm, I guess I can't say for sure that my success came from 100 miles a week. I just think it's kind of like a marathon. We fatigue myself so perfectly that by the time regional happened, I was only running 70 miles a week and the next week in the nationals, I might've hit 50. So it was like all of a sudden you bounce back like in a marathon segment, you're dragging, dragging, dragging. And then all of a sudden we loosen up the workouts, lighten the load and then you just peaking at the right time and that would be a, a rod thing i was just doing what i was told he'd shoot me the number of the mileage uh did those morning runs i don't think i never miss a mile actually that's a lie i didn't miss a mile i had a foot flare up and i missed a day after conference I wasn't sore rod had to tell me it was okay to take a day off otherwise i wasn't very happy with it yeah. that's that's pretty uh pretty impressive consistency when right. you think about it you know and and that sounds like a you know a true motivated distance runner where you know you get frustrated when you know in the back of your mind you're like i should probably just not run but you you just need somebody to look at you and go hey this one day is not going to ruin right. you know the the 18 week season or all the all the miles you put in in the the months leading up to it 2013 that uh was that that was your first all-american year is that correct yeah first time even at a national meet i guess yep. Sorry go ahead and, and as we t- just as we talk about your your all-american statuses but specifically uh in uh Terre Haute when you finished 12th and just the amazingly adverse conditions and i remember watching that one online i think i snuck home at, at lunch break and was able to pull up flow track and and catch that race and just brutal you know just cold rain wind um everything that you would you know expect somebody out of uh, the upper midwest or minnesota to be somewhat used to but how did you handle that and and how did you go into that race given given the conditions that were headed you were headed into well i'll tell you this that was the first time i ever worn two pairs of pants on a warm-up before Never in my life I ever had to do that. And, uh, yeah, it was like, I guess I can't remember exactly, but 25, 30 degrees out, slight drizzle, pretty windy. But, you know, that was this type of stuff we were running in in Brookings. Um, I know the year before in 2012, I did a workout at Sexal or, you know, the soccer fields north, Fishback, must be Fishback, the soccer complex. But uh, we did two-mile repeats, and it was like 10 degrees out. And then uh, that was the week of regionals. You go to regionals, it's like 70 or 80, and I just folded. I This is not something I used to, but uh, this was totally in my ballpark. You know, this is the type of stuff we've been training in. So it seemed we just had to plan it accordingly. Uh, just plan out the warm-up so I'm not freezing by the time I get back. So I just... Rod told me to head straight into the wind, hit your whatever time, turn around, come back, and then we'll do our normal warm-up routine from there. But, uh, yeah, it was quite – and then floppy, slimy conditions. They thought they were helping by dumping truckloads of sand on there. So it was a beach and a lot of spots. And that was just something I guess you had to be prepared for. I guess I'm a pretty good judge of effort when it comes to something like that. I don't worry about time. We had a plan. We're sticking to it. And uh, I guess it turned out pretty well at the end, all things considered. Was, was there anything specific that Coach DeHaven kind of told you going into that? I mean, you know, he's got a lot – has had a lot of experience himself as well as coaching. But, you know, I think those are – those are conditions that it's, you know, you mentioned the training that you've done in Brookings with the weather, but um, you know, training and, and going to a race at a national meet is, is different where there's some, just some, I guess, words of, of confidence that came from him that was, 
that kind of got you fired up that day? Oh, I don't know if Rod's ever one to uh, pat you on the back, but uh, or say that many words of encouragement. We did have a race strategy was to hang back early, but make sure we're in the right group. If anything, be a little bit more conservative. But uh, yeah, I got out a little aggressive on that first quarter just because there's so many guys and they narrowed the starting line and um, I didn't want to get caught up in all that. So, but once you get in that first group, then I just let them pass me because I know we're out of the thick of things. But uh, no, Rod was giving me distances, times, positions. Throughout the whole race and that 5K, I think I was probably right around 40th place. I knew I was going to be an All-American at that point. It was at that time just thinking how how much further can I go up? Because we were in this huge path at 5K of probably about 20 of us. And it just slowly diminished. And then uh, we're catching guys in front of us. And, but uh, – no, Roger was always screaming. He gave me his hat and his gloves. We were nervous about, you know, logos and stuff. And you know, it's clear they have to be on the national meeting. It's cold and windy and raining. Like, that's all I thought to the deal. But yeah, he, I was, I bet he was more nervous than I was. That's an impressive race, man. I uh, watched it on float track and I was thinking, what is, what is happening? I just, it was like, uh, I couldn't believe, you know, for, uh, for you to be making that many moves and, uh, catching so many, uh, right. Other runners throughout the race and just working and grinding. It just, uh, it really was a, a great thing, uh, to watch. I would have loved it to watch it in person, uh, and, uh, right. Be in there, man. You took a lot of, as they say, scalps, uh, during that race that, uh, a lot of guys that uh, had to face a bunch of uh, adversity, but you, you were on top with your 12th finish there. Uh, coming off of that uh, All-American, uh, can you can you kind of talk to us about what you went through in the summer of 2014 there, that next season? And uh, it sounded like you got injured. And then, you know, through that injury, can you talk a little bit about, you know, what advice and encouragement you could give other athletes if they're feeling um, – you know, or kind of going through that setback themselves, maybe. Yeah, so after 2013, we were feeling so very good. We were going to run right into 2014 and run uh, U.S. cross-country championships in February. But uh, I think I had – I got bronchitis again. Um, yeah, winter running in South Dakota, man, that's terrible. Got to be prepared. But anyways uh, – Throughout that spring, I was getting fit again, and I just had this slight foot pain. It'd come and go, knowing now it was probably a stress reaction, but then uh, still trained, still trained. Uh, ran a 5K Brian Craft run in Minneapolis here, and it finally I felt something like totally release or give, and uh, – I don't know how I finished the race because I couldn't stand on my foot when I got at the finish line. But uh, knowing what I know now, I'm not going to hate on athletic trainers or anything, but, you know, doing this sport for 15 years, there's guys – I would – if I was to do it again, I'd go to someone who's competed in a – of running career, I guess. And then uh, talk to him about what I'm feeling. Cause I'm not going to hate on all athletic trainers, but when you compete at such a high level, there's stuff that the athletic trainers have never dealt with before or seen or felt themselves. So I would say probably just go get an MRI right away and just be done with it, suck it up and just, on something like that, you know, you're, it's, it's not muscle, it's not bone, or it was bone, but it's not muscle. It could be tendon, but, you know, some folks just say, well, we're going to do strength and exercises to help you 
strength in that area. It's probably weak up in your glutes or something. But it could have been, but it's like we could have stopped the stress fracture that ended up costing me a full year of my college career. In the end, I guess I'd never got a track season out of that. But uh, yeah, I just find athletic trainers that's kind of been there that were runners themselves that know, you know, I met a couple of great ones in Michigan. He was a pro runner himself, ran this big um, athletic training. I'm not saying people have to fly to Michigan, but when I was at Hanson's, all these pro guys that have their one guy and they'd fly, you know, all the way to Arizona to see this one guy that they know is the best. And you just got to hunch around and you feel comfortable with if you trust them. You know, this is, it's, it can be a year long process or, you know, we can get it nipped in the butt and it only takes three, four weeks. So yeah, it's, I guess you can't say for sure what to do when everyone's situation is different. People feel pain differently. Some people think a little ache here and there is a big deal when, Dude, I have aches all the time, but this one was different, you know. It, I guess it, it's hard to say, but I would – if you think it's bone, just go off, get an MRI, get that scan. Save yourself uh, a lot of hair pulling in the end. Yeah, I appreciate that, Trent. You know, the, a lot of people, uh, right, have, have dealt with injuries and setbacks, and I appreciate your, uh, your honesty with that and, uh, right, being just being transparent, man the 2015 season coming out of that uh, certainly you were able to become an all American again. So going through that injury, but this time at the NCAA division one champs in cross country, you brought a, brought some backup with you with Joel Reichow. Can you talk about that experience and what that was like for you? All the time. I've always wanted to take a team, you know, it's great to take a team to the conference championship. It would have been even better. We tried. I mean, if we would have picked up Addison in 2015, instead of having him at Boise State, I think we, we could have had a good chance of actually taking that team to nationals. But just taking one extra guy, it's so much easier and give Joel an experience of what I've seen. And then Rod, if he has questions, you can ask us because we've been there. It, it was just something else, you know, you traveling with somebody else going there, but it's always fun having two, maybe every, you know, one guy, it might be fun once, but I don't think it would have been fun the second time. It just, cause it was new for me, but now it's like new for Joel. So we can show him the rope, see what we did wrong stuff like that. But no, it was, and then Joel and I both came out, uh, both all Americans and that was Week. I don't know how many other teams had multiple All-Americans. I don't think it was that many, but uh, I can't remember off the top of my head. But, yeah, that was something great for us, but also for Rod to, you know, kind of show everyone his cards because that's the kind of coach people should see him at. But uh, it was a great thing. It would have been nice to take, you know, seven more guys with us or, you know, oh, man, we were close. No, man, that's great. Uh, there's a lot of runners now standing on your shoulders for sure. Uh, certainly that have seen your success and, and Joel's success and gosh, right. Just continuing to uh, build that culture there. And it's just really impressive, man. Appreciate it. You know, Trent, you, you talked just briefly there about, um, you know, having two guys that were all American, both of you and Joel Reichel went and came back with that accolade. And, and uh, you kind of had a question there of, I'm not sure how many other teams had to. And um, I don't know that set off the top of my head, but I, I do recall hearing, um, you know, within a few days following that meet that um, you and Joel or two all Americans at South Dakota state were more all Americans than the entire big 10, uh, which is, pretty a pretty wild stat to think of and you know the number of quality teams in the history of those teams you know in the big 10 um it is it, it's a you know a feather in your cap and and rods as well and 
I think all three of us can can speak to. Rod's not one that is going to toot his own horn, but um, he definitely deserves some some kudos to him on on the work that he's done and continuing the tradition alive at, at SDSU. And it's exciting for him to to have that opportunity. And it's great that you guys got to, you and Joel got to do that together. Right. Yeah. One of the greatest. You know, as we've, we've talked about both, both of those national championships and, and we also talked about, um, you know, your first running experience with that 5k when you were 11 or 12 um, at some point you developed um, this mindset of, of working hard and, and, you know, where, where did you get that? Where do you think that, that came from um, that mindset, that hardworking mindset to where you want to work hard and, and then hammer things out during a race? I honestly think it came from my life just here at my parents' house. My dad grew up on the farm. My mom did not, but we just had that go. It's always, you know, there's no sitting down until nighttime. So it's, um, oh man, we were splitting wood by hand for a long time. But I remember in 2013, after nationals, I was still training. This is how it went down. I, I'd wake up at seven, go run eight to 10 miles, come back, eat breakfast, go out, split wood till noon, come back, eat lunch, go back out and split wood again. And then I knew dad was going to be home at 4.30-ish after work. So I'd go back at out just before four, run my five miles, come back, and then we deliver because we sold firewood. And it was just a constant. That was weeks of doing that when I was on my at home. So it's something we've always done. I've always been wrenching on stuff, broken. We got to fix it. Splitting wood. Dad's got the outdoor burner that heats the house, all the hot water. It's, and then he's always trying to find a way to make an extra buck. So I think that's just where I got it from. I don't know if that's correlated. I, I honestly don't know. It's, it doesn't seem like I'm the typical All-American runner that had an altitude tent growing up. Parents were always at the cross-country meets, you know, giving me new pairs of shoes every couple of weeks. I didn't have that at all. It's... I got one pair of shoes like for a year and my parents still really don't know much about running. They never did it. So I'm, I don't know, maybe I just have that high paid intolerance like I thought and I'm not the very biggest build. So it just kind of all worked out in one. I, that's what I think I could be strongly misinterpreting this whole situation, but I'm not too sure. Well, I, I think I would agree with a lot of those things you said, Trent. I mean, it's the mentality of it doesn't come easy and, you know, you got to put in the work and uh, not just the miles, but yeah, I mean, you think about, well, think about the professional life, you know, where you spend countless hours in the morning training and then weight training and all the other things. And then a lot of your day napping and then going out for round two um, in the afternoon or evening. Uh, but instead of napping, you were driving through, you know, splitting wood or, or the other odd jobs that you were doing. And that, I think that is probably, uh, at least my interpretation of it is, you know, what built that, that hard nosed attitude to, and maybe where you got that, that angry T or big T nickname, yeah. like, you know, <laughs> like I'm, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to outwork you. You know, I think that's, that's a good way to think of, of distance running. You know, you don't get better without running and, um, you don't run 105 miles a week without being determined to do it um, and not being afraid of the work that goes into it. Um, I, that's, that's my firm belief too um, as well. So, you know, as we, as we, uh, we talked about the 2013, we talked about 2015 and then kind of wrapping up your, your career at South Dakota state. Um, how did you kind of navigate from, from SDSU um, into that, that professional running career after you, after you left SCSU? Well, pretty tough. I guess I didn't end my career like I expected I would again on the track, not the 
the greatest finish a guy would a two-time all-american cross country would like to see not breaking 29 minutes in the 10k and i guess i never touched the 10k on the track after that so i knew i wanted to compete though after college but knowing now i should have figured out what was going on i had a stomach ulcer i fought with i think the second half of my college career leading up into basically my whole professional career but yeah, knowing I was like, I, I can get back to where I was in 2013, be fit and crushing workout, getting mileage, feeling good, and then I just couldn't find it, I guess. Couldn't find it again. But uh, I know I wanted to give a shot. You're only young one time. You can't be 30, 40, you know, thinking what could have been. Um, I didn't want that hanging over my shoulders. Trent, I mean, with that, you're running for Hansons of Rooks. What was that like, man? I mean, you actually went there and got the Olympic trials qualifier. A little bit different going on over there. A lot of turnover. A lot of athletes come in, a lot of athletes come out. It's, that's just the professional world. There's so many talented U.S. runners now. It's like anyone can get hot at any given moment or, you know, People get injuries, they don't want to stay, they go home type of deal. So it was great. It, it was a little different. I was out there for three years. Uh, you know, every day at eight o'clock, we were running, just like when we did the morning runs at SDSU at 631, we're out the door type of deal. So yeah, every day at eight o'clock, we were out at, like we call it the duck pond. Basically, uh, it's a gravel railroad track. If it uh, goes for nine miles one way, so we take loops off of there. But no, it was definitely an experience. I made a lot of good friends when I was over there. A lot of us uh, talented runners. Um, no, it was nice. Very good area in Michigan. But uh, a lot of training going on. That's what we did. We, Eat, eat, or run, eat, sleep, and then run before work. Type of deal. That's all you did every day, day in and day out. What about CIM there, where you got your uh, qualifier? I mean, can you talk, tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Um, yeah, it's building up by the way the Hansons do it. It's a twelve-week progression to so do like one or two weeks of light workouts, and we get right into the meat of things running I was probably only running about 125 miles a week constantly for probably eight weeks and then uh, one month before the race you run what's called a simulator um, during your 125 mile week we're going to run 16 miles at marathon time uh, which every time I actually did pretty well on I think I was if you would convert my 16 mile time, I'd probably run about a 217 on a hilly course. But uh, then, you know, you have a couple extra big workouts and then you have slow taper. Hanson don't believe in a taper, but we would taper. We kind of go against the, he'd write it out every day for you. But uh, yeah, we, I believe in a taper. They not so much, you know, they want you to run eight, 10 miles a day before a marathon. They're like, oh, we're going to go out for about a half an hour, and that's about it. But, uh, yeah, at CIM, we ran just under 219, like 218.40-something. And I was feeling so good up until probably 22 miles, and then uh, my nemesis caught me, which was my stomach ulcer, because I lightened up my water bottles to have mostly water and not uh, a lot of carbohydrates in them, because my stomach couldn't take – I guess that load. So yeah. most of my my bottles of water, um, and I felt super relaxed for about 18, 20 miles, and then I thought, you know, it's only six miles left. We can start running people down, and I was up until about 23, and then you know you're looking at your watch, your legs are getting heavy, but you're fighting hard, you know, swinging them arms, pumping the legs, but you're just slowing down it doesn't matter you know but uh yeah it's 
it was a good experience. It was a, a very nice course. It's a one directional, you know, kind of like a Boston. But yeah, it was, it was, I guess, only ran two marathons. And I was, I wish they all were like that, except, you know, you finish strongly instead of fading on in. But uh, no, it was nice. Learned a lot. Nah. That's an impressive man. That's a impressive time. I don't. Uh, I know many alumni were uh, were there with you too in spirit, man. So hats off to you on that. Who would you love to go on a two hour run with to hear stories and have a little banter with, man? Oh man! So I thought about this for a while. I don't think I could pick one guy. No, honestly, I would like. The old SCSU cross country team, uh, us, you know, older guys, the guys that we still hang out with. I, I honestly love just talking about old stories and what we used to do, and just reminisce on the old times. That would be one of our funnest runs. I, none of us could probably do that anymore, but uh, if we could, I, I'm sure we would. It would be a lot of laughing going on, just talking about man what we did in those younger years and what pranks and stuff we did on one another oh man it would have been a pretty good time yeah i guess some guy would probably want me to say alberto salazar or jerry lingren or tree or something like that but i'd have i love listening to old stories but man i think we would have had a lot more connection a lot more fun if we just got a lot of us old guys back together and just have a, a nice easy run for a couple of hours that sounds great, man. Yeah. I, I'm not so sure Grant Van Kulen could handle anywhere close to two miles these days, but. No, he, he ripped a five-miler out. He uh, did predict a time, and we were thinking like 35, 36 minutes in this five-miler around Marshall. I ran it before. It's pretty flat, but, man, he ripped it out like 33 flat. Just out of nowhere, just went out there and said, guess what I'm going to do. And Yeah, he did. We weren't even close. <laughs> But, yeah, I think, you know, we get Grant and uh, Andrew and Austin and Connor and Dylan and all them guys that we used to have just on a two-hour run like the old days, uh, and then we'd have a pretty good time. Well, we're, we're just under uh, – we'll be probably about 50 weeks away from uh, the 2022 Jim Emmerich, so uh, yeah. there would be an opportunity. Plus, get a nice cold January day to yeah. click that off too or – or um, maybe long run following uh, the fall of 21 SDSU cross country classic. Maybe you can make that happen too, Trent. I think they're wise would appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Trent, we, we talked a little bit kind of before we went live, but about uh, your handyman, the projects that you like to do. And, and we talked about the house that you're, you've been renovating, but um, of all the projects uh, that you have, you know, worked on. I know you, you're handy and you've got some other things in your back pocket. Which one are you most proud of? Well, if you would have told me last year, it would have been my truck. Uh, I got a 1949 Chevy truck I picked up for probably over five years ago. I put a big 6.5 turbo diesel engine in it, wired oh. it. Oh, man. It, it would have been my daily commuter if uh, I don't have a work van. Now I have a work van. But, uh, yeah, that would have that would have been the most proud of. But now, you know, I bought this 1880 house, needed a, a boatload of work. Um, redid the whole outside shingles, gutters, or not gutters, sorry, shingles, the siding, windows, doors, you know, everything, all up to uh, modern day codes, and then. Uh, the inside's not done yet, but I have a, a lot of ideas that I want to make it look like the old farmhouse that it was 100 years ago. Um, hopefully, I can get that done within the next six months. So I'm getting a little sick of sitting at mom and dad's house all the time <laughs> while I'm paying mortgage, insurance, and uh, taxes on a house that I'm living. I can totally understand that. Yeah. Uh, hey, Trent, you, you mentioned, you know, some of your old teammates, uh, but who would you consider the toughest teammate that you ever 
trained or raced with thinking across the board from, you know, those early middle school days at Shakopee all the way through uh, training with Hanson's and Brooks uh, out in Michigan. Oh man. I, I couldn't think. I mean, there's a bunch, you want them to like even pro guys, everyone's tough, but everyone has their days too. Some days, you know, you ate something bad. So you had a bad day, but, Back in my younger years, it was Nick Lindstrom and I were always battling back and forth every week. Um, back we were in middle school, and actually that was probably ninth grade. And, uh, Benny and I did the same thing when I was a freshman. Uh, and then uh, Ian Lemire, the D3 guy out of Platteville, uh, that kid can grind out anything, no matter what shape he was in when we were at minutes and he'd throw that man bun up and then he'd be ready to go on everything. But, uh, you know, you, everyone has their times and some days aren't your days, but there's plenty of tough guys out there, probably tougher than I am. And uh, we knocked some heads around after uh, at least a few go-arounds. If you could choose one band or artist to play at Skinner's, who would it be? So I don't know if people know this, but I'm a big time old country fan, like uh, Johnny Cash, Merle Hager, Waylon Jennings, David Allen Coe, um, Hank Williams, stuff like that. So I'm a softie when it comes to those. So probably... John Party would be the modern day version of those guys. And I went to see him in concert and it was a, a pretty good time. Except I thought so. Maybe some people don't, but I think there'd be a few John Party songs that people would give a rowdy to. Nice. We got to get him to Skinner's then, man. I'll be there with you. There we go. Hey, another question. Uh, what are you up to now? And then what's the future look like for Trent? Oh, man, I'm saying plenty busy. I full-time forklift mechanic. I've got a work van. I take all around so the cities, out to Wisconsin, even south by Austin. So, so I'm always traveling around uh, during the week. In the afternoons, I'd like to get to my house more, but I don't. Uh, I usually find something broken at my dad's house or my personal fleet I have to work on. And then... Uh, Weekends are all about the house, or right now it's snowmobiling while the, the getting is good, I guess. But, no, I I missed out on a lot of stuff back in those days of uh, training on the weekends, doing those 20-mile long runs on Sundays and uh, missing some hunting trips, some snowmobile trips, uh, stuff that you only do when you're young, but you also only compete when you're young, too, at that high level, so... A lot of sacrifices, but I'm trying to make up for that now in my late 20s, I guess, or 30 will be here in, uh, I guess, sooner than I would think. But no, it's, I'm plenty busy. I don't have any downtime. I honestly can say I haven't ran in over a year. I haven't laced up any running shoes, and uh, I wouldn't, yeah, I guess uh, that's probably not what some people want to hear, but. You just need a break, I guess. I, you know, did it for 10, 15 years. Never, I would say, I wouldn't say nonstop, but, you know, you miss a lot of uh, fun days, I guess, with the friends. So that's something I'm picking up on a little bit now. Hey, I, I got I to gotta say thanks so much for spending time with Chris and I just giving us a true deeper look into your developmental journey. There are so many runners who have been inspired by your accomplishments and, and dedication and just flat out hard work, man. I mean, there's your, your ability to grind is like unmatched and thanks so much. Yeah. I appreciate it. Thank you. It's awesome to catch up with you, Trent. Um, you know, I think, I think a lot about, um, you know, I ran at SDSU from 2002 to 2007 and, and uh, you know, 
the last three years of that being that transition year from division two to division one. Um, but those first few years at that division level, division one level were pretty rough. Um, you know, hard, hard transition, small teams and, and, um, you know, just trying times and the guys that, you know, were, were in the midst of that transition started the, the transition at division one. Um, and then kind of where you are the kind of coming in a few years into that division one move, but that weren't afraid to, to come in and, and take, take ownership of a team that had some amazing accomplishments, both individually and as teams at the division two level and, and show some people that, Hey, you know, we, we were ready to make that jump. And, and I appreciate you and everything that, that you did while you were part of that team and, and the guys around you as well. You, know, you spoke about um, being, um, having, how excited you were and how much you wanted to get a team to the national meet and, and how great it was to go as an individual the first time and how awesome it was to be there with Joel as well. Uh, you guys uh, that were in that 2010-2015 um, time frame, um, just kudos to all the hard work that you did to keep that tradition alive and, and push it into the guys that are competing now. Yeah, I was just doing what I was told. That's all I was doing. Why would just tell us what to do? It'll be Sunday we fight back. That's all in good fun. Make them sweat a little. Not like you need that, but we give them a hard time. Though. But in the end, we were always we always did what Rod told us to do. So that'd be basically all up on him. Thanks for joining us this week on the Pivotal Running Podcast. Make sure to visit our website, pivotalrunning.com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes. Spotify, or via RSS, so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you simply would tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. Thanks.